the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Right Makes Might. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. And step into As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelow has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us for the next 30 minutes as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelow. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us. Today we're going to wrap up the last five days of devotions from my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my exceptional wingman. We're on the E's now. Exceptional. Exceptional. We went from F's to E's. I forget what last week was, but it was an E also. It was. Encouraging, I think. Look at that. You're so kind. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Friends, uh, we're going to have... uh, very serious question to talk about today as we prepare for the last four days and for going forth and doing good work. Before we get started, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray. Heavenly Father, As we near the end of our devotional series in all things, may we see you as you are, know you as you are, and serve you as we are, courageous men and women striving in our frailty to lift ourselves and each other toward heaven in Jesus' mighty name. In this effort, Lord, we come before you as warriors seeking to throw off the world and to clothe ourselves in your full armor. Help us, Father, to step forward in faith, love, and awareness. Help us to see things as they are, to be emboldened, and to be effective in our awesome opportunity to stand for you. May all who hear these words be enlightened, encouraged, and engaged in this battle, knowing that your love prevails. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, we have been on quite a journey together. Yes, we have. Uh, last week, uh, I think, took us to day 35, so today is uh, day 36 through 40 uh, in the upcoming week. In the first week, we focused on choosing Jesus in all things. Then we discussed change. In week three, we reflected on the preparation of our hearts for our missions as Christians. 
in week four with days 22 through 28, we talked about our actions as courageous Christians. And last week in days 29 through 35, we attacked dangerous ground. As I said, today, days 36 to 40, will prepare us to go forward. And as part of that, we're going to ask a very serious question. Day 36 addresses our rules of engagement as Christian warriors. Day 37 talks about the power of forgiveness. Day 38 speaks to standing our ground. Day 39 considers the many faces of Jesus' amazing love. And day 40 wraps it up with overarching guidance. But today I want to begin our discussion by posing this very serious question, and it really comes from something I've learned from Christy over the last few months, because in many different uh, situations, she has cautioned me, and I've heard her caution others, to consider their motivations, to ask, what are my motivations? And as you know, she's a coach, and I wanted to ask more about this because I think it's very crucial to what we're doing. So, Christy, how does that work? Consider your motivations. So it's interesting when you said that you yourself have, um, asking that about yourself and others, I ask that about myself, too. So it's in looking at the motivations of what is driving our actions or our choices. I work with people to get clear on what is actually motivating them. And that may be seen or unseen motivations. And so the, the, if we can get dig down and get to the root of really what is causing someone to make a choice or take an action, then we can, we can get to someplace real. So an unseen force Mm -hmm. that you may have processed that's compelling or shaping your feelings, actions, commitments, etc. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be, I'm thirsty. I'm going to get a drink of water. And that, that may be the simple act and you see the motivation there. But there are some things that we do that we may think there's a motivation um, maybe we work and we think that, mon- that that motivation is money, but there might be something unseen that really is. Maybe it's fulfillment. Maybe it's making a difference in the world. That's really the clearest motivation, which then ultimately when we know that shapes better choices and action. You know, what comes to mind is the story of a kid who goes into a Marine recruiter's office And he says, I want to join the Marines. And the recruiter says, why? And he says, I want to serve my country. Mm -hmm. And the recruiter says, come back when you've thought this through. Mm. And he comes back a couple days later and he says, I want to join the Marines. And the recruiter says, why? And he says, "Uh, because I want to do good around the world. Mm -hmm. And the recruiter says, come back when you've thought this through. Oh, wow. And he comes back a couple days later and he says, I want to join the Marines. And the recruiter says, why? And he says, I want to belong to something bigger than myself. I'm an only child. I've never had brothers. I want to be in a family. I want to have structure. I want to know that I'm doing good things. I don't want to be alone. Mm. And the recruiter says, okay, well, now we have something to work with. Right. See it in that scenario is incredibly important because to find the warrior within himself, that 
kid who walks into the recruiter's office and will one day be a Marine, he has to truly understand those hidden motivations, those unseen motivations, those unseen motivations, because when push comes to shove in the dark of night in combat on this battlefield, these big nebulous notions of patriotism and I want to serve my country. Right. Like what everybody else says. Right. They're not compelling. What's compelling is the fact that this guy next to me is my brother and I want to fight with him and for him and take care of him and do our mission and hold up the traditions of the Marine Corps and and so on and so forth. So I I totally get that. And what I understand is implicit in this discussion is the idea that as Christians, we have to dig into that idea of what are my motivations. So I want to go back to the the young man in the recruiting situation, what I heard in there is that when he, when he was really clear on what his motivations are, that's going to actually shape his commitment level to his actions and what he's doing. So I hear that clarity leads to commitment. Makes a ton of sense. We were talking earlier about uh, the many different levels on which we can connect to things. And if we connect on one level, it's not a significant a connection as if we connect on many levels. Right. So for that kid, if he just thought, uh, I want to serve my country, well, he's connected on one level. But when he understands that it's family that he's seeking and brotherhood right. that he's seeking. There's so much more. It's deep. Now you start to connect on these very serious levels and kind of like uh, it's a more robust uh, connection and uh, builds a much more robust commitment. And so, as, again, implicit in this discussion is the idea that each of us in our faith must ask the question, what are my motivations? Right. And what comes to me is that Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through five, describe the times ahead, which are going to be very serious. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, and on and on and on it goes. The battlefield on which we walk as Christians is a serious place. The very second we accept Christ, We have a target on our backs for the world. And so I think in understanding our faith, our commitment to our faith, and what we expect from our faith, we have to explore this very deeply. And uh, it sounds very treacherous that with this battleground that we're walking on, without that clarity and that commitment to what we're doing, wow, we can just get lost in that. Well, Absolutely. And um, here's the piece of this that I think is so critical. So the book of John, chapter one, Jesus has made his appearance. John the Baptist has uh, met him, baptized him. John the Baptist has two disciples, which we believe to be Andrew and John. And Jesus goes by and John the Baptist points these two disciples after Jesus and says, follow him. And 
This will be our moment of truth today because it's really a moment of truth. The moment of truth in which we talk every episode about Scripture and the Bible and how it applies to our current discussion and God's uh, perfection in His Word and timeliness and relevance and how we can remind ourselves what is real and true in this world of shadows and deceptions. And so the moment of truth and the context of all of this is John chapter 1, verse 37. And I think this is the question for each of us as Christians to seriously connect with. Jesus says, When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? I don't know. I'm absolutely fascinated by this because whether I'm a Marine in a recruiter's office, knowing that my commitment only comes after I fully consider what I'm doing, I believe each of us has to ask, what do we want? And Jesus didn't mince words and he didn't play. He asked this right up front. Now, it's not in the book of uh, Matthew. It's not in Mark. It's not in Luke. It's only in John. He says to those two uh, disciples, what do you want? Now, he's not asking it in a worldly way, like, hey, leave me alone. What do you want? Right. He's asking it in the way that all of us who seek to follow him must ask, what do you want? How does that resonate with you? It's a big question because my first thought is probably a, a quick, maybe worldly answer, but it actually it puts me on my back foot. I'm kind of like, wow, Jesus is asking me, what do I want? Right. And so if we ask ourselves this question, I don't want to be the guy in the recruiter's office saying, I want to serve my country. What do you want? Uh, I want to... I want to follow God. Well, why do you want to follow God? I want to know him. Why do you want to know him? Because I want to know the truth or any number of things each of us brings individually. Maybe we want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. Maybe we want to live in the truth. Maybe we want uh, joy or peace or the afterlife, or a better world for our children, or to be faithful to something that doesn't change, to be in a relationship on which we can count. Uh, maybe we've been abandoned. For me, uh, I think one of the big things that comes out, and you've heard me say this before, because I had such a close relationship with my father, I come to God seeking a heavenly father. And it plays on me very deeply that he is my father in heaven. And because I had a great father, I'm able to connect in that way. But for each of us, it's going to be very different. And there's no wrong answer. But in asking and answering this question, we are going to find what we want. And it's in finding what we want and how we connect that we will be served by our faith. You get out what you put in. So let me say that again. From anything, you get out what you put in. In any relationship, you get out what you put in. Right. Right? And so uh, a scripture that I love, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For he who asks receives. 
He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So basically, in two sentences, six times, we're told to seek. You get out what you put in. If the extent of our faith is to attend church for an hour on Sunday, then that's going to be a different experience than... That's what you'll get out. That's what you'll get out. It's a different experience than seeking after him and allowing him to help you answer that question, what do I want? And so I can just envision this conversation with Jesus because this question is central to truly following him like that potential uh, Marine Corps recruit, it's, it's also crucial to finding the warrior in us. What are our motivations? What are those unseen forces uh, which, when identified, help us to commit fully? So asking why repeatedly in a conversation with Jesus where you imagine yourself talking to him, what do you think about that? So I'm thinking... I've. I think I've heard you say this. I think I've heard some other people say this. When you really want to know what the heart of the matter of something is, uh, you ask something six times. Yeah. And so that repetitive, but we would often just kind of brush that off and say, oh, whatever the first answer is. But if I'm hearing you right and I think I'm getting it, because this is a big question. I'm it's grappling with deal. it myself. Is if I keep asking myself that, and it's it seems like it's a long term question that you keep asking yourself that, you're going to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper, and really get to a intimate level of knowing of that relationship with Jesus Christ, and until that, you're not clear. Like we go back to the coaching comment, you're not clear. And your commitment's really not clear. You get out what you put in. So asking the question really reveals your commitment level. Reveals and develops because develops when you... probably a better word. Yeah, like that kid who thought he wanted to serve his country, but when he took it apart, he realized he wanted a family and he wanted to belong to something bigger than himself. And uh, I ask myself this question, what do I want? And I pretend... Uh, so Jesus says to me, what do I want? And I say to him, I want truth. I want uh, an intimate relationship with you. I want something that doesn't change from one day to the next. I want something that's permanent and fixed, and it's not circumstantial. I want something that nobody can take away from me. I want a better world for my children. I want something to serve, something to give my heart to, something to give my life to. And so all of that for me, and I'm going to use this word easy, all of that for me is easy because I'm a Marine, and I've been a Marine since I was 17, and that's how I'm built. I like belonging. and I think most people do. I think people have said we're hardwired to belong. We're hardwired to belong. But you also said it's an individual answer. Very much so. So you have to take it upon yourself. I. I think of all the devotionals that we've talked about, this is the biggest question and the most important thing that people can take away from this time is asking themselves, what do they want? Right. It's huge. And, you know, sometimes we, uh, a question like this could be a Pandora's box. And it could very well get messy before it gets uh, clean, before it gets deeper, before you have more understanding. But uh, it's not for me to say. It's not for me to tell you. But I posed this in the last week of our devotionals. 
Because as we think through it together, even though it's changing and, and the answer is growing as we are growing and deepening in our faith, I do think it will help us to identify what really matters to us, what we're willing to pursue, which hills we're willing to die on, so to speak, to use a military metaphor. You can't die on every hill. So what really matters to you? To what are you going to commit your resources? To what are you going to commit your family? What conversations are you willing to have? Not what everybody else is saying, what you, I keep hearing the you. You. individually it's totally personal with you so as you go through the last four days of the devotional and uh friends there's still time if you don't have a book yet uh we're gonna uh continue running things through the end of this month please uh you can go back you can get podcasts you can uh do the whole thing again uh by yourself with a book we're just uh so happy to share that just uh email us at courageous christianity at gmail.com and we'll make sure you get a book or go to Kindle on Amazon and uh, get one. The price is still 99 cents. Uh, we just want to do this with you. And and they we, can go to kkht.com and the podcast tab and listen absolutely. to all the podcasts. Good call. Thank you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how your face should be. That would be like me saying I should tell you what your relationship with your father should be or your children. It's personal. And not only is it personal... But every child in a family has a different relationship with the very same parents. You know, the oldest has a different relationship. (laughs) So my relationship with my dad was different than my middle brother and my oldest brother and my little sister. And, um, And that's the beauty of it, because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are his works, and our souls know it. So if God made us to have a relationship with us, He built into us the reciprocal need to have a relationship with him. And if we're on the surface of that relationship, and if we accept church answers, and if we accept church vocabulary, which says uh, we kind of throw the same words around, like corporate speak. You know, uh, when I first sat in on a corporate meeting, it was peel back the onion and pull the thread and all these things that people say without thinking. And we cannot be glib. This is our relationship with God. And so... There are no cliches allowed in this question. There are just heartfelt answers to have. Jesus said in chapter 14, verse 6 of the book of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we want peace, joy, and purpose in our lives on earth, then the answer is Jesus. If we want eternal life and peace beyond this world, then the answer is Jesus. If we want a better world for our children and grandchildren, the answer is Jesus. Whatever our heart's most righteous desires, the answer is Jesus. He is the answer to our questions. But what is your answer to his question? That's what we're talking about here. It's important to answer his question as you seek your deepest possible relationship with him And your answers will help you to identify your most authentic contribution in his kingdom. So, again, John chapter 1, verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this. They followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? 
We each want Jesus for unique reasons, and sometimes we're scared and unsure how to walk that out in this complex world. I understand completely, and I hope the final days of our devotional series will help with that. So friends, uh, as we wrap up, what could be more perfect than to quote Jesus in our quote of the day? He said in John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The world wants us to be fearful. The media and the Internet have taken fear-mongering to the highest levels. We're like the apostles awash in their small boat in the storm, except for our storm is orchestrated by the devil. In asking this question and deepening your faith and your intimate relationship with Jesus and identifying the unseen forces that compel you and finding your heart's deepest commitment, I would ask you to consider that question. So we can't forget that Jesus rebuked the storm and it calmed. And it's in our relationship with him that he can rebuke the storm and calm it. Should you want to reach me, I can be contacted at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com or 281-656-1833. Thanks for joining Christy and me today. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and Semper Fi.